was something like, if someone I'm connected to says or does something that is offensive or that I see as wrong, but they don't see as wrong, how do I confront that as a person who believes in pacifism and wants to confront nonviolently? My first comment is that I think I've preached on this topic before, but clearly it didn't leave an impression. <laughs> I didn't tell Eric that. We were at a campfire. My second comment is that I feel acutely that I do not know. Uh, I felt personally stumped by this problem myself, maybe plagued by this problem. And even when I have my eyes on an ideal way to do it, I often miss the mark. This really bothers me, by the way. I really, really want to be the most evolved person in my family and for this to be obvious to my parents and all my siblings every time we hang out. <clears throat> the fact that I fail is extra embarrassing because I am the only person in my family with any formal faith commitment. I'm not counting Ali, I often don't count him. Um, in my nuclear family, I'm the only person with a formal faith commitment and I'm the only psychologist. So when I lose my cool or say something intolerant, I have to contend with the fact that all of this pastoral training I'm, I've pursued doesn't always work. What's the point of spiritual formation if it doesn't guarantee any action behind my holier-than-thou attitudes? <laughs> I'm joking, but I did want to be clear that as I review some things that I supposedly know because I agree with them in theory, which is to say that I agree with them when it is someone else's conflict, you can trust me when I say I don't know them. I haven't been able to live this stuff out. I'll tell you my most recent skerfuffle so you can see what not to do, and then I can talk about what you're supposed to do, according to one person. Um, I can't remember how it came up, but at some point on our last trip home, my dad used the term illegals. I'm so offended by that term and its use in my family that it's hard to admit that this even happened. I feel genuine heartbreak that this word is in anyone's vocabulary in our country. So I immediately said something like, dad, that term is so offensive and wrong. A brief argument ensued in which my dad attempted to defend the term and I attempted to shame him for using it. I don't think this happened in this instance, but sometimes when these spats happen, I sense others in the room rolling their eyes. Most of my family members are characterologically passive and they don't necessarily see injustice where I see it. It gets weird in families when you're trying to promote or defend a pacifist perspective, but you're perceived as disruptive or combative by bringing up alternative perspectives in the first place. As quickly as it started, my dad says, well, I disagree with you. And I say, well, I disagree with you. And then someone says something about what's for lunch. I believe that my dad is relieved it's over and actually puts it down mentally, but I've never asked him and I could be wrong. It's definitely not over for me. I will replay a one-minute conversation like that in my head for the rest of the day, feeling grossed out by the prejudice in my family and ashamed that I am not skilled at addressing it. These negative feelings are mediated by the fact that I have love and respect for everyone in my immediate family, and I have grace for myself. So I'll just say a little bit about these because without these mediating factors, these conflicts would be infinitely harder, and maybe the stuff I'm going to focus on in a minute wouldn't apply at all. But it does matter to me that my parents' prejudice is in the ignorance category more than in categories of hatred or fear. I know that distinction is irrelevant from the perspective of the societal impact and repercussions of prejudice. But if we're talking about nonviolence and conflict in a family system, then I think you benefit from noticing 
if the departure point between your view and the other view is not as extreme as you initially imagined. Years of facilitating couples therapy has ingrained in me that it is important to not use extreme language, such as a label, when describing the other person. So I did not say to my dad in this conversation, you are racist. I think that starts another conflict that neither of us can win and is not ultimately important. And grace for myself is two things. First, that I'm not without prejudice myself, so I need to be able to question the moral high ground I think I'm on or see that I'm only on higher ground as a person who has been surrounded by others pulling me to that place. And the second part of the grace is to remember that family conflicts are super hard. I've never met a family that wasn't complex and complicated. Love, fear, and jealousy are all primal in the family system. That's not from Freud, that's from the Old Testament. But as to what we'd like to do, a colleague of a former colleague of mine, Dr. Tanya Israel, has done research on promoting dialogue, specifically dialogue across political lines. She wrote a book titled Beyond Your Bubble. The conclusion of her studies is that you cannot win a political argument with facts. It's literally impossible. This news is so disappointing to me that it's hard for me to believe. <laughs> I'll say it again in case you're clinging to the fantasy that you will be the exception because your collection of facts is objectively impressive and convincing. Apparently, it's not to your family member who disagrees with you. You cannot win a political argument with facts. The main reason, according to Dr. Israel, is confirmation bias. Each person is coming into this argument with facts that support their position and an uncanny ability to dismiss facts that do not support their position. Dr. Israel says that there's an additional bias operating in political disagreements, which is that people on both sides tend to view people on the opposite side as extreme in their views, illogical, uninformed, and mean-spirited, while viewing people on their own side as balanced, knowledgeable, and righteous. So winning the argument is not about asserting and arguing your position. She says it's about strengthening a connection. She quotes Teddy Roosevelt saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's how much you care about them, not how much you care about the issue. So what would this look like? Dr. Israel suggests that if your uncle says all lives matter at the dinner table, you don't get upset or offended or even flinch. Instead, this is controversial, by the way, you don't have to agree with this. Instead, you take a deep breath and ask, what does that phrase mean to you? In her pretend example, you listen really well, and then you show that you understand your uncle's view with a reflection. He is saying that he doesn't see race as the only reason people are mistreated. You fight the urge to state your point and encourage him to elaborate. And then what you hear gives you a sense of the complexity of his ideas and values. Even though you don't see it the same way, if your uncle feels that you've understood the complexity of his worldview, he will now be able to hear the complexity of yours. She says that in the end, you probably won't see eye to eye. But if you've strengthened the relationship, then you've achieved something. You achieve a nice relationship with your uncle. I find this fascinating to put in dialogue with any Christian tradition just because we don't see Jesus talking to people this way. I don't think we do. I'm going to wait and see if you all have other examples. In the rather sparse storytelling of all four Gospels, we often see Jesus confronting prejudice with simple, direct truth. 
Let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone, he says to the accusers, and they all slip away. Other times, the confrontation is more than direct. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how will you escape being condemned to hell? I might have said that to my dad. That would have been interesting. Jesus doesn't strike me as very patient or very tolerant when it comes to injustice or hypocrisy. Of course, Dr. Israel isn't talking from a Christian framework at all. Her premise is about convincing, and her argument isn't that confrontation isn't peaceful. It's that it isn't effective. It's not a winning strategy to judge and confront. This has left me a bit confused on how to really respond to Eric's prompt. If it's true that we have a choice between confronting an unjust attitude or behavior or strengthening a relationship, it seems that pacifism would be important to both. I'm not sure what to prioritize on the basis of pacifism alone. To state the obvious, reacting to a person and shaming them for their stuff is neither helpful nor pacifist. But assuming we are able to have a measured comment on the issue, I'm still not sure how to handle it. For many of my conflicts, I've concluded that pacifism isn't the same as the absence of anger or always liking and respecting someone. Maybe a commitment to pacifism just means that we agree not to smack each other in the face. I thought perhaps the most helpful thing I can do from the pulpit at this point would be to facilitate a discussion. So I will give you some questions in a minute and we'll focus a little bit on the talk back. But before I do, I wanna emphasize that I don't think I'm creating a false dichotomy here. In other words, I think it's part of our landscape now that there are issues where you might have to choose between articulating condemnation of some form or strengthening the connection between you and a person in your family, which is to say, listening to them articulate a view that is directly or indirectly racist or sexist or homophobic or whatever, and helping them expound their view without arguing with them. I think this is the political reality that most of us are in. And I'm saying we're partly in this landscape because of our own positions and commitments. Like PMC sees many issues from a particular justice lens. So I'd like to start um, talk back now with no expectation that there's only one answer because I know that different issues and different relationships are gonna lead us to different conclusions. But how do you think through this in your life? So what frustrates you the most about conflicts in your family? For any ongoing conflicts between you and someone in your family, how has your understanding of the situation changed over time? And what might your family member experience if you were more curious or patient than usual, or if you were more assertive than usual? <laughs>